I'm ready for some action. Do we have, I know we have some people like that here in this church. Right? And, and sometimes it's going, and sometimes along the going, it's also waiting. It's not, Lord, bless our plans, but Lord, give us the plans that you will bless. You know what I mean? And I, I can almost see Peter. I want to believe that everything Peter did was spirit-directed, but I, I don't really know, you know? But it's, the, the scriptures tell it pretty straight. Uh, well, what should we do? Well, we're praying. We've been praying for two days. Uh, let's see, there's 12 of us originally, and now there's just 11. How about an election? Anybody for an election? I mean, maybe the spirit moved there. But it's interesting to me that Matthias, the one that they chose, by a casting of lots, doesn't exactly describe spirit-led continuity, you know, consensus to me. But, 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 but by casting lots, they choose Matthias. Is Matthias ever mentioned in all of church history after that? I, I, I find hard to find reference. Maybe they were just like us. Struggling to stay. You know, wanting to believe God and wanting to do right for God, but at the same time trying to harness themselves to, to God's power and not just their own initiatives. I don't, I don't know. I look there in the first chapter of Acts and I see the church. I see the church already struggling to be the church, but they, they were faithful and they did pray. And obedient to Jesus' command, they were all together. They were sticking it out. They had each other's backs. They were in the upper room, all together in one place. And then, at God's appointed time, they didn't know it was going to happen on Pentecost. I wonder how many days they'd actually been there. I wonder how many days they wondered it was going to be before God showed up and did something so definitive that they would know it was God and, and, and feel their, their, their launch had been commissioned. Well, it happened. There's something about God. When he wants you to know something, he makes sure you know something. And so when we wait, I think we can wait until the spirit that we long to hear from assures us so convincingly that, that we become a body galvanized not just by our own agreements and our own plans, but really galvanized around following the spirit together. It was Pentecost. It was 50 days after the Passover. It was the very day that Moses went, this is where I was, where Moses went up and got the law. And that law was what defined the community of Israel thereafter. And so here it is, 50 days later. They're not in a mountain, they're on an upper room. And rather than giving the law, what does God give to shape his people in the world from that point on? His spirit. His spirit. And when his spirit lives within us, the spirit lives, is commissioned to glorify Christ. So the spirit within his believers reproduces the very personality of Christ in our own personality uniqueness. He fills us with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and gentleness and self-control, all in the fingerprint of who we are. But His personality, His Spirit living within us and living through us like stained glass, His light comes forth, right? His kind of love, His kind of personality, His kind of motivation start mingling and transforming ours for us to be more like Him in time, right? That's the fruits of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit start working within His people in such a way that they reproduce the powerful ministry of Christ among us. Gifts of service and gifts of administration, 
gifts of healing, all kinds of gifts, partners with the Spirit, working Christ's ministry through us, just as Jesus did when He was in His body. So in His body, His ministry is reproduced through His body. If we're to be Easter people that are ready today as God got those people Easter people ready then, then we're to be a people that are attentive to the move of the Spirit, to the move of God. We're to be people that gather together all in one place. That gather with... There's something powerful about that. And, and part of it is, is, is just kind of the wiring of our humanness. That I think God uh, made it. But, but it's much easier for me to wait together than to wait alone. To, to, to keep myself attentive. You know, it's like a jogging partner. I do so much better when someone else is going to show up as well. Don't you? There's a strength. Really, it's a human kind of thing. A human giving of strength to one another, I think, that keeps our togetherness focused on the Spirit. And all our going, we make time to still wait, to gather together. And sometimes... When we gather together, there are things that absolutely transform our lives. At other times, well, it's just another sermon Chris is preaching. It's just another worship service. Well, we went to the Bible study one more time. Well, there's a morning devotion that really didn't ring my bell. Because he said. Because it honors him. We obey. And when we do, the God that we honor has a way of honoring us. In the midst of our mundane ministry, our task of serving, sometimes that we don't think are making a difference at all, all of a sudden God seizes one of those moments and opens our eyes to what he's doing through us that we might not even have been aware of. He prompts us to some moment where, where we join him in that ministry and we recognize that God has visited, that God was a part of that conversation. Wow, I didn't see that coming. How did that get orchestrated? Me with that devotion this morning and that person with that particular need, I didn't think that had anything to do with anything. I thought it was another dry morning and I, co- and I show up at the men's group and a conversation afterwards over pecan pie all of a sudden reveals that the word that was revealed to be for that morning was so it could serve someone else's life. It was life-giving for them. You know, God chooses to do that. He, he could have just had them watch an AD series and get it on their own. He, he could have had them open the Bible and read it themselves. But God enjoys his family. Not only should we be attentive to the Spirit, but we should be responsive to the Spirit. Were the disciples responsive? Oh my gosh. A little huddle of scared disciples in the upper room, excited about what the Lord had told them, still not sure that they had the power to face what lay outside the door, now rushes into the streets, fearlessly sharing the marvelous works of God, speaking in some tongue that they had never been given uh, education to speak. This was something supernatural that was going on. I think both on the, uh, the lips of those who were speaking it and on the ears perhaps of those who were, were hearing it, God through his people was working and upon others he was still by his spirit drawing. 
The Spirit had been poured out and it was pouring out on all flesh. The disciples had an incredible kind of boldness that displaced the timidity that had completely described them just for the few weeks before. There was a new kind of boldness. Jesus was fulfilling his word. Wait upon them, Spirit. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. This was about power to witness, not power to wage war. God wasn't just restoring his kingdom to Israel. He was restoring his kingdom and robbing it from the grips of Satan. This wasn't a colloquial plan. It was a cosmic plan. And it applies in every locale. The disciples' boldness is is off the scales. Not only is the Spirit working in the disciples, but apparently it's also loose now in the world and working on the ears of those who will hear it and turn towards God. Do you remember Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of sin. They're missing it. Convict the world of, of my righteousness because I go to be the, the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, yes, you go speak the word. You go speak the truth. But know that as you speak the truth, it's me that's working in someone's heart to open their heart to the truth that you're speaking. If you go out and try to do that completely on your own, if you're ignorant of the way that God works with you, not just how you work for Him, you'll miss the power That that partnership can really be. The hearers are are broken in their conviction. They hear uh, Peter relating that what they're seeing now, this pouring out of the Spirit, is exactly what was prophesied by Joel. And this empty tomb and resurrection is just what was prophesied in the Psalms. This is that is what Peter is saying. And when they hear that this is that, and they were the ones that were enemies of God that crucified the Messiah who had come, they were undone. A conviction came upon them and they said, Brothers, what shall we do? And it's right there in Scripture. Now when they heard this, they they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do then? Do you see the Spirit's work in that? This is the same crowd that just weeks earlier was yelling, Yeah, crucify Him, crucify Him. Another bloody ordeal to watch, right? What has happened to these people? The Spirit has happened to these people, happening to them right now, right? And Peter said to them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. Repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Received the Holy Spirit. 3,000 that day were moved by the Spirit and said, Yes. How many today? What's the Spirit moving you to do? What, what, what response is the Spirit moving you to have right now? In your life, where you are. Have you repented? Have you been baptized in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins? Have you received the Holy Spirit? What is it that the Spirit is prompting to go on in your life right now? 3,000 responded that day. And this Spirit is still among us. And when we attend to that Spirit, 
We become responsive to that Spirit. And the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. And whenever He glorifies Jesus, it seems... Listen to me. This is really important. When He glorifies Jesus, He has the same effect that Jesus had. He draws people. The Spirit not only proclaims the Word and quickens it to our hearts, the Holy Spirit creates community. Be attentive. Be responsive. Be in community. Be together. Certainly that's one of the messages of Pentecost. They were together in focus. Have you read this recently? Acts 2, 42 through 47. These are the very verses that one of our recent United Methodist churches uh, gave as their name. Are you aware of that? Acts 2 in Oklahoma City. Because here's a picture of the church. Not that the church is sought to develop from, but a picture of the church that the church longs to recreate. See? Isn't it the way it is with Christ? We, we, we don't start with Christ and then evolve to something better. You see? Christ is the fullness of the gospel. Fullness of God. And so as Christians, rather than evolving from these ancient roots, we're always seeking to reaffirm these ancient roots, to let them take life again. It it doesn't work as things do in the world, as as some kind of natural, uh, progressive, human, evolving. We evolve most when we get closest to where Jesus is. That's what transforms us. That's what makes us community still today. They were like that in focus, 3,000 of them. And they were continuously devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the gifts of the Spirit were working. You hear that? Many signs and wonders were, were... The ministry of Jesus was being reproduced by the Spirit, and all the, through the believers, and all those who had believed were together, and had all things in common. There was this radical kind of sharing, all things, and, and they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they became especially sensitive to the needs of others, and not compulsory, not as a socialistic, communistic culture, but rather as people with hearts to be moved, and, and wills, to be given. They would give themselves to others as they saw need. And some even sold their homes as a way, as a joy of being able to be family with still more. Can anybody say, wow? Wow. What an incredible kind of sharing. They were together in focus. They were together in fellowship. Ah, there's so much more I'd love to say. They they were worshiping in the temple and from home to home. Somebody once said, I think very wisely, the first most important piece of furniture for the church was not a pulpit. It was a table. A table. A place where people made family of strangers. Strangers that had been 
won by the same Spirit, drawn by the same Spirit, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day. It wasn't a Sunday morning thing yet. It was an everyday life thing. It was our witness making a difference wherever we go. There was a radical kind of hospitality. They were together in focus. They were together in fellowship. But they were together as family. The church is still most powerful when it reflects this kind of reality. When it's all about His presence and His people. And when we give up on that, it's real easy to start measuring things not by His presence and His people, but by buildings and budgets. And all the buildings and all the budgets do we sometimes forget is, is only a way of showing support. It's, it's the joy of being family. It's facilitating what the Spirit is doing in our hearts. But that's the focus, see? That's, that's what changes our lives and what impacts the lives of others. I know that you know this. One, one of our own who recently moved not long ago to Tennessee. She's a, she's a teacher there. I was talking to her this week on the phone. She had come into town and had to go out of town again before Sunday. And she said, Pastor, I'm sorry I couldn't be there. Yada, yada, yada. What's going on? She said, well, it's an amazing thing. I'm teaching school now, right? It's not a special needs class or anything like that. But they keep bringing me these kids. In fact, you know, forget the, the, the reasonable sharing of kids to different teachers. They just keep bringing them into my class. And they brought me a little boy the other day that the, the principal told me. He said that the kind of stuff this kid has been through. And he started telling the story and she finally just said, stop, I've heard enough. I can't, I can't, I can't hear anymore. Well, I don't mean to be putting him upon you, but there's something. Kids are different in your class. In her class, they become Family. In her class, they sing silly songs. In her class, they notice the one that's left behind. In her class, because she has times of observed silence where people can look into their hearts, third graders have started leading one another in prayer. Well, let's pray. And they take hands and they pray for their friends and they pray for their tests the next day. And when this young man acted out because recess was too short in his mind, and he came in with a violent history, and all that started, that pattern started reasserting itself, and he was kicking tables over and punching lockers and upset. And this teacher just did what she always did when the kids looked at her. She just raised her hands and assured them that everything was okay. And eventually this little guy just crumpled in the corner in tears. She waited about five minutes and went over to him and called him by name. And he said, she said, you know, in about 15 minutes, your bus is going to show up. Maybe it'd be a good idea for you to put your shoes back on. Maybe it'd be a good idea to just straighten up the desk and, and let's get ready to go. Much of his history was abuse at the hands of women. But this was a completely different kind of personality. 
And his little mind started trying to make sense of it. And he, he asked all that was a question in his heart with some simple little question. Do you hear all that's bound up in this? As he turns to her and he says, Teacher, am I okay? She says, yeah, yeah. You're okay. You're okay with me. You're okay. And Fifteen minutes came and the bell rang and they were supposed to go out and catch their bus and he didn't leave the room. He went up and he wrapped his arms around her and he said, Teacher, I don't want to leave. She says, it's okay. It's okay. You, you go on home and we'll be right here next Monday when you come back. We'll be right here. There's something about the Spirit. It fills fellowship, but it creates family. Everybody needs family. All of us do, and all of us have known it only imperfectly. But one of the greatest gifts we're promised on this earth is family. Teacher, tell us, we've left everything to follow you, the disciples once said. Well, what's in it for us? And he says, all you that have left and followed after me, I tell you, not only in the time to come, but in this present time, you'll receive a hundred times homes and brothers and sisters. And in this time, persecution. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. What was he saying? Jesus was saying, ah, this side of heaven, it doesn't get any better than good family. Where do you look for that kind of family? You can look in your own bloodlines if you want, but there's another family that's offered to you by the power of the Spirit, and it's the family of those who are being sanctified by His Spirit, those who are living with Him and letting Him set the tone for our classroom. He is among us. He is with us always. And when we are attentive to Him... We respond to life in completely different ways. We respond lovingly as He loves us. See? Christ sets a new tone. Want that kind of family? You, you want that kind of father? Let, let the one Christ called Abba be your daddy. His arms are open. You need a friend? How about that friend that sticks closer than a brother? How about that friend that promises never to leave nor forsake you? You want a family? Not a perfect family. I'd feel awkward in a perfect family, wouldn't you? I'd be afraid that they'd all somehow vote me off the island. Not a perfect family. But a people gathered around the best presence this world has ever known. The Spirit's invitation is always open to good family. And by His Spirit, He's making that of us for one another. This morning, maybe not 3,000, maybe three. 
Repent. Turn towards home. And be refreshed. It's the message of Pentecost. And the Spirit still speaks it to every heart that's willing to receive it. You consider it. The doors of this church, of this fellowship, are open to you because the Spirit of God makes of us family. Would you stand as you sing this morning?